Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode of Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech, where we uh, speak every week to people on the leading edge and on the front lines of decarbonizing the built world. Um, today, I have the fantastic opportunity of talking to John Huddock and Tim Matson from Modus Power. They're the co-founders of Modus Power. And uh, Modus is helping uh, corporations from some of the world's largest down to sort of small corner stores to decrease their carbon footprints in their buildings uh, through retrofits of MEP systems. Um, so guys, before we hop into what it is that Modus actually does and, and all of that stuff, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background. How did the two of you get to uh, founding Modus? Sure, certainly. Uh, my name is Tim. I'll go. I'll, I'll kind of go first. Um, I spent a better part of 15 years in the lighting industry, uh, working all the way back from HID to T8 retrofits, and then moving from the big T8 to LED retrofit. So really able to see that uh, adoption of that new technology, and, and it really hit quick. It was very exciting. Uh, moving on, staying in the lighting industry, I had a good base of customers and a lot of them, you know, most recently in the last couple of years said, Tim, we've done our lighting. What else can we do? Uh, we still have sustainability goals. I still have budget. Uh, lighting gave me 30, 40% reduction. What more can we do? And um, just kind of rattled the brain, looked at cutting edge technology out there and knowing that HVAC occupies up to 40% of your utility bill. Uh, we saw that as an opportunity to find a solution. And uh, we landed on a primary primary ECM or energy conservation measure for uh, motor retrofits within those existing HVAC systems. Um, John and I have a mutual acquaintance, and I'll let John kind of go on his background, but that acquaintance said, you two should get together, uh, two good minds with complementing experience, and uh, see what you can do, and, and it's kind of all history from there. John, did I do it justice? Yeah, I think you did. Um... Uh, my name is John Huddock, uh, Tim's Tim's partner, and um, Tim and I uh, have different backgrounds. You know, Tim coming out of the lighting industry is a little bit different than my background. I come out of the IT world and the wireless world, and most recently, um, uh, the mechanical world. So, like Tim, I've got fifteen to twenty years in the business, understanding a lot of different uh areas on more on the data side of the business and on the mechanical side of the business and when tim and i originally got together um, it was really timing and fate because we were both really looking for what's what's new and exciting in the in the um industry uh specifically with energy efficiency we wanted to be in a space where um we could help our customers reach their goals um, of carbon reduction and sustainability, all the things that we saw emerging onto the market. And it was a perfect opportunity for Tim and I to get together and to form our company, Modus Power. Um, and really what we're dedicated to is providing cutting edge energy saving solutions um, on a national scale 
for our customers. And we specialize in turnkey multi-site rollouts. So we identified early on um, a big opportunity to work with uh, national account customers that were wanting to become more energy efficient and reach some of their goals. Um, so we figured we would be able to create value for our customers through you know, good old honest hard work, transparency and our experience, um, both Tim on the lighting side and, and me on um, more of the data side. Um, so we've done that and we really strive uh, to meet industry standards and quality and efficiency. Got it. Got it. So it's it's an interesting background with you two kind of coming coming from the two different sides of the of the industry, which is uh, we've we've got sort of the the smartification, you know, IoT devicification of all of all of the sort of building HVAC stack, and we've got um, one of you coming from sort of the devices side and one of you coming from the data side, and and I think the the timing is pretty good for for the two of you to come together, right? Um, but Let's maybe dump, uh, jump into the specific problem that you guys are solving for your customers. So, you know, big customer calls you up. Why are they calling you up? What is the problem that they're actually trying to solve? The typical conversation, initial conversation we have with a large customer that either calls in or we reach out to is really where are you sitting with your current sustainability goals? Do, if, if oftentimes in that 10K, you will read, we need a 25% reduction by 2025. And those real estate energy managers, they really strive to meet and exceed those goals. And they need reasons. They need weapons to, to try to combat their, their carbonization intake. And uh, we're there to answer that question for them. So how, what, do we, what do we do when they call? We help understand what they've currently done, what their current assets are, and if there's an opportunity to deploy any of our technology in those, in those locations. And, and John, what is the sort of state of play right now when, when a customer calls you up? You know, what have they typically done so far and uh, what is still left to do? You know, the, the thing that we run into routinely is um, one of the technologies that have been, uh, have been rolled out over the last 10 years really is LED retrofits. That's where a lot of customers have spent a lot of their time in the last 10 years on their energy uh, project side is the LED retrofit side. And um, what's been ignored really is the HVAC side of the business. Uh, one thing that we see is not only do customers not have a very good feel for what's there, um, but they, they also don't understand what to do with it and what's available to them. So we, we see that as really the low hanging fruit for almost all our customers that we're talking to is as Tim said, really diving in and helping them understand what's there, what assets they have, and what what the next phase of their energy conservation projects look like. Yep. So if I would maybe su summarize this, this is I'm, I'm a building a building manager or, or a real estate manager across a large portfolio of buildings, and I've probably done the low, low hanging fruit here, right? I've I've maybe got a building management system in, maybe I've um, replaced the LED light bulbs and I got a good kick of energy savings from that LED project, but I'm still nowhere near hitting the ESG goals that my board um, has, you know, we've signed up for, right? And so I'm sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel thinking of like, what else we can do? And then we realize that, hey, depending on your type of building, the HVAC system is somewhere between 30 and 60% of the total energy use inside that building, right? Does that sort of sum it up? And, and am I getting the size of the opportunity here, right, in terms of sort of 30 to 60% incremental uh, bogey that we can go after? 
No, you absolutely are, Greg. And it's it's interesting because the LED retrofits that we referenced, they're really a fraction of what the real savings opportunity are. You know, customers don't realize how much they're spending on their HVAC systems and what the opportunity to save is. So you're you're spot on when you talk about, you know, the the spend typically we see is, you know, 40% of the overall spend is is slotted towards HVAC. So the absolutely the biggest opportunity to save is in that arena. Got it. And and so then in terms of a solution, what is the the one, two or number one, two or three things that you you guys can then actually help the customers uh, come up with? So so Tim, when when you're designing these solutions, what are the the main things that you decide to go and uh, retrofit in? Upon that initial discovery call, we first prioritize with locations, right? Because the geography can make a big impact on the ROI and meeting those goals. If that finance group has a two or three year payback hurdle, we kind of start with prioritizing where we have higher KWH rates and then bake in any uh, prescriptive or custom rebates to help subsidize the project. <clears throat> and then uh, working with them to get their asset lists and understand what they have and then deploying a, a a trained eye for a site survey to gather that information. Yep. And um, yeah, so then uh, ultimately, what are the sorts of things that you end up installing for people uh, inside those buildings? Today, it ranges uh, from different types of motors um, that we look at the HVAC system. Um, a lot of times you'll have an antiquated induction motor in there that really is just meant to burn at 100%. And to get in there and analyze the existing system to control and manipulate the set points and then upgrade that existing induction motor with either a switch, re switch reluctance technology or even a higher efficiency motor with a drive. Um, both helps drive savings and also will drive substantial utility rebates as well. Also, um, the other thing that's, that's really become interesting here, uh, especially with the pandemic, is the UVC lighting opportunities that are also there on the rooftop because there's some very interesting UVC lighting applications for HVAC for RTUs and, and air handlers where um, we're, we're also looking at those applications because UVC lighting is something that can be used to not only lengthen the, the lifespan of those assets for the customer, but they're also um, very effective as far as providing improved indoor air quality. Um, and everybody's interested in that, especially with what's gone on in the last year or so with the pandemic. So along with the motor solution, we're also uh, focused on those UVC lighting solutions that we can deliver to the customer and, and you know, in, to improve primarily indoor air quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I know indoor air quality is a, is a big issue right now, right? Absolutely. And, and pre-pandemic on the UVC piece. UVC was a very viable solution with it, with the return on uh, on investment there of twenty to thirty percent savings, solely because the UVC will clean those coils and keep that uh, unit running smoothly. Now, mid pandemic or hopefully post pandemic, the 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 uh, value has kind of flipped, but that maintenance piece and that savings is still there. But now you're improving your indoor air quality and still getting those twenty to thirty percent uh, savings on a more efficient machine. Yeah. And, and just for, for the folks listening, if, if you don't know what U, UVC is and all of these things we're talking about. So typically inside an HVAC system, there's a couple of things that that take up or, or add to inefficiencies, right? You've got the motor that's driving the thing. Um, so you can switch that out. You've got the filters that are inside it that you can you can typically switch those things out. And then you've got 
other ways that you can uh, apply maintenance here. And UVC is, is one of those things to, to really clean out the HVAC system. Uh, a worst case here would be uh, we, we actually have an entire disease named after this, Legionnaire's disease, um, which, which was a disease inside the HVAC system uh, in, inside a, uh, a Legionnaire's hospital, right? Um, so uh, those, are, those are really the sort of three big things that people are looking at when they're going to uh, retrofit different pieces of the HVAC systems. It's the filters, it's, it's the fans and the blower motors, um, and it's, it's uh, certain types of maintenance inside those systems, right? But um, let's maybe talk Turkey here, because that's uh, you know, let's, let's dollars and cents. What, what are the actual impacts here? Well, so, so I'm not sure if you guys, uh, Tim, have, have some good examples of types of buildings and potential savings here from actually going and, uh, and looking at uh, retrofits into the HVAC systems. Yeah, we do actually have a good opportunity that was brought to us through a large real estate investment trust company on the West Coast. This one is in Los Angeles, Southern California. And it represents an office complex with a total of 179 uh, retrofittable motors in there. Those horsepowers are ranging from five horse all the way up to 20 horsepower. And we're showing 76% reduction in motor usage, uh, which will harvest $88,000 in utility savings in the first year, uh, showing just under a four-year payback. Um, it's a great opportunity. And um, this customer, uh, upon implementation and execution, will remove 877,000 pounds of carbon uh, from their facility, from their business operation. And that can translate into gallons of gas or passenger vehicles. For example, that would be 44,000 gallons of gas removed or 85 passenger vehicles taken off the road. And that's just one of their 125 uh, complexes in their portfolio. Uh, so oftentimes we get tasked with um, proof and verify, prove and verify that the solution will work. And we do a full MNV to show what our baseline was originally and then show the post install uh, to prove out the savings. And then we roll it out across the country. Yeah, so so those are some pretty impressive numbers, right? If I think about a four-year four-year payback period, is is very encouraging, and that is a little bit higher than we typically see. This particular customer wanted to add a little bit more M and V to the program, so we had some more non-energy saving technology in there, uh, which was a little bit uh, more than we typically do. But for the pilot purposes, we wanted to make sure we were monitoring everything. So if we took the same project and removed the extensive monitoring equipment, it would be under a three-year payback. Um, and that's what they would typically see. Uh, these customers have a 12-hour 12 12 operation in a 15-cent energy rate. And then uh, through the utility, we're able to capture almost an $80,000 uh, rebate out of the full project. Wow. Okay. So, so I know that probably our listeners are then also going to be saying, okay, but what's weird about this project, right? Is this actually a representative project? Um, or is there something strange about this building? So how, how representative is this? Is there anything weird about this building or it's a pretty standard sort of office building that you guys are uh, working on? It's very standard. Uh, there's nothing new. There's some really large anchor tenants uh, that folks would recognize. So there are people that are doing your standard business operation in there. Um, there is a particular profile that we look for when we drive down to, uh, to identify ideal candidates. And it's those that have high operating hours, high KWH rate, and uh, also that run their HVAC systems in an on position versus an auto position. That's where you can really get a, uh, the optimal payback. Um, even if it's running 12 hours a day in that on position, we can really show some fantastic savings there. Um, how, how about maybe the, the other end of the spectrum? Do, we, do you have any examples, I don't know, on, on uh, non-office use cases, smaller use cases, uh, anything else? 
we have uh, actually lots of examples of smaller retail stores um, that may have a couple of RTUs on the store. Um, and what's interesting is we find whether it's a site with two RTUs or whether it's in, in Tim's example, you know, a large retail complex or a large commercial complex with many motors on it. Um, based on the things that we look for as far as KWH and um, environment, we find that almost always these projects have an ROI inside of 36 months, which is really interesting. And that it doesn't seem to, uh, the size of the project doesn't seem to have a bearing on the ROI opportunity for the customer. Um, and part of what we do, our, our process to help customers quickly We've developed a process that we can quickly get to uh, what the opportunity to save is for the customer. And that really is as easy as talking about their infrastructure, what type of facilities they have, and then actually having them provide whatever they might have in the form of asset lists, um, you know, that show what is on the rooftop. Because then what we can do is we can run an ROI analysis based on the information that the customer provides and look for the right areas um, to really help them, you know, save money, reduce carbon, all the things that they're trying to achieve. And then what we can actually do is based on the initial site survey analysis we go through with the customer, if that looks good, then Modus actually gets boots on the ground where we're out there and we're validating everything that's on that rooftop for the customer. Um, and from there, we, you know, once we have that information that's validated, then we move to what we call a pilot phase where we're actually deploying the solution. And as Tim said earlier, we're using M&V for that. So we're able to clearly demonstrate to the customer what their opportunity is. And then from there as, you know, since we're focused on national, uh, national footprint, um, from there we can move to more of a rollout. So that's kind of our process that we go through with just about every single customer. Yep. So uh, I think probably part of, part of your secret sauce here is really being able to handhold for people who have uh, lots of buildings all over the country. Um, whereas if, you know, someone had one building, maybe two buildings, um, you know, they might be able to handle this themselves. But your a real sort of uh, secret sauce here is helping someone do this across hundreds or potentially thousands of buildings uh, across the whole country, right? Yeah. And, and Greg, what we find is some customers have better documentation than others, clearly. Um, but what's interesting is going through the process with a customer, whatever they don't have, they end up getting as part of our process because we're documenting all that as we go. And we're turning that information back around to the customer, updating their asset lists, giving them a really good feel for, for what's on their rooftop. So, um, there, there's a good there's a good back and forth there that I think is a win win for everybody. Yep, got it. And and Tim, maybe um, in terms of the savings and the payback periods that you you've been describing, right? Under four years, a bunch of other projects at under three years, um, real savings like eighty thousand um, dollars per year, which which in the real estate industry, right, savings like that flow straight to your net asset value of the building, right, because it's more profitable to operate. Do you see customers who are doing this not because of sort of climate change or ESG goals who are just doing it from a purely financial point of view? Yeah, great question. And uh, absolutely right. Um, yes, they want to enjoy those savings and take credit for that from a sustainability standpoint. But from an investment standpoint, you can take those savings that drop to the bottom line. And depending on your cap rate for your local market, you divide those energy savings by your cap rate. 
And that can be what you add as value back to that asset, um, if that's clear. So for this example in Southern California, you would divide that $80,000 in energy savings by the cap rate, I believe it's 0.07. Uh, you'll see what the value is growing for that asset. It's over a million dollars. Yeah, I was, I was just uh, trying to do the mental math on that. That's, that's a real number um, that, that you've increased the value of the building on, right? So, so now you have, in one hand, you have the ESG groups salivating over, you know, the 138,000 or the large amount of carbon they're removing. And then you have the finance guy saying, I can't fund this fast enough. Not only are we going to get, you know, a good public relations for being a corporate citizen, we're also going to increase the value of our asset. And even when comparing it business park to business park in the same community, uh, those that operate less expensive are going to be more attractive to potential tenants or could even increase your retention rate because uh, you're allowing them to operate, uh, you know, through less money, through less operating costs. Yeah, which I think is probably pretty critical right now because we're, we're in a, uh, a tenant's market at the moment. I, I think we are not in a landlord's market at the moment in terms of how much demand there is for, uh, for commercial real estate, right? Right. And even those uh, large portfolio REITs and, and uh, real estate companies, as they do what's called TIs or tenant improvements, and their tenants saying, okay, I'll extend my lease, but I need new carpet and paint. Um, this could be something a landlord could throw at the tenant and say, all right, I'd also like to upgrade your HVAC and uh, you can operate because those energy savings are paid by the tenant. So you have to find motivation for the landlord to do that because they don't pay the bill. Um, so if that tenant will extend their lease and operate maybe $500 to $1,000 less expensively than they were prior to the retrofit, that could be a win-win. Um, and it shouldn't be ignored, the, uh, CARE, the CARES Act that is now available through the previous administration, allowing public companies to amortize the energy efficiency investment 100% in that first year. So rather than writing off over a, a table over 39 years and writing it off through time, they can take that full depreciated amount in that first year, uh, which can really help the spreadsheet um, as you work to build your investment portfolio. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I think that's that's uh, why you guys get involved here, right? Because you you know how to hold people's hands and walk through things like understanding the, the CARES Act uh, impact of a bunch of these things and how to align incentives between tenants and, uh, and the landlords, which can be, can be quite complicated. I always tell people if you can't sleep at night to read that CARES Act, but if you like, you can just <laughs> get on a quick phone call and we can uncover what, what's of value to you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, Greg, I don't know that we were, um, if we clarified the fact that part of that process and the numbers that Tim were, was talking about there, part of, part of what we do for our clients too is we go out and we find the rebates that are available uh, for the customer based on what it is that we're doing. So whether it's a prescriptive rebate or whether we've actually had good success with some of the new technologies that we're working with, we've had good success going to the utilities and driving custom rebates as well. So that's part of our process that we go through with the customer. Um, they typically don't have the resources to do that, nor do they want to. Um, that's part of our deliverable back to them is the whole rebate structure of the of the project. Yep, got it. And if if I were to just maybe maybe summarize what it is that that you guys do here, right? It it really sounds like a white glove service sort of end to end to end. So you're helping the customers identify the buildings where where these technologies will actually be useful, figuring out the capex payback periods, 
um, figuring out all of these other things, right? Like tax treatment, rebates, all of the carrots and sticks out there that, that um, are going to help uh, make the financial case. Then you've actually also got the help with uh, boots on the ground to go and get the installation done, right? So this really is sort of end-to-end service and, and white glove, right, Tim? Correct. And that's really the soup to nuts uh, package is what we found the most valuable. Um, if you look at these decision makers and the properties that they're responsible for, they don't want to handle multiple vendors. They don't want to handle a site survey person and a, and a rebate person and, a, and an installer and an engineer to design it. If they know that it can be a consistent installation from coast to coast, their whole portfolio under the same warranty, enjoying the same savings with the same system, um, it can really be a win-win for everybody. Fantastic. So just maybe ra- wrapping up here, um, I, I think it sounds like there are incredible cost savings that landlords can have here. They can be uh, used to attract higher quality tenants. They can be used to increase the value of the underlying assets. Uh, as a fun little side effect, you also happen to be good for the planet. Uh, you get to tell a good story to uh, to your shareholders um, uh, about it. So good marketing opportunities as well. Um, and Modus will uh, help to hold your hand every every step of the way. So I think there's a fantastic opportunity. Um, John, uh, maybe where, where can people find out more about Modus and uh, potentially get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably the easiest way to contact us is right through our website. Um, and that's www.motuspower.com. So moduspower.com. Or you could you could feel free to send uh, either Tim or I email John at Modus Power or Tim at ModusPower um, We'd be thrilled to talk to you and tell you more about uh, you know what we do and how we can help. Fantastic! No, thanks thanks for taking the time, guys. I'm very excited to uh, see you doing work on a bunch more buildings, uh, helping to fight the good fight on climate, but also save customers a whole bunch of money. So, John and Tim, thanks for thanks for spending the time with me. Well, thanks for having us, Greg. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.